welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. This week we're moving to the New Testament and uh, there's only one person that you can speak about if you only had one, and that is whom? That is, that is Jesus. And uh, today um, is John 15, uh, where Jesus said, I am the vine. And so Jesus, the vine, and life in the sun. If you ever see a picture of a vineyard, or if you ever go to a vineyard, you'll see they're always planted in full sun. Because that sun, uh, there's something about it, it turns the, the nutrients in the soil into these great, beautiful, tasty grapes. And this, is a, this has been a great year for table grapes, and we've enjoyed them. You know, uh, Sprouts, I think, has had them for 88 cents a pound. How many know that's good? ShopRite's had them for 99 cents. That's great, you know. Um, some of your Aldi's, I don't know what Aldi's is selling them for, but we have, we've had an abundance of grapes this year. And so, there's a, the, as we move from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the Old Testament is the revelation, the, and testament means covenant or, or will. Um, the Old Testament showed the God and the glory of God and the character of God that He's righteous and He knows all things, He does all things well, and His character and His requirements that God sets. And by the way, God is God. We are made in His image, and God sets the requirements of our relationship with Him, the basis of our relationship with Him. They can, that can either be, those things can be accepted or they can be rejected, but they cannot be altered. How many understand that? In other words, He is the Creator. He is the one who has made the, the clay pot. He is the potter, we are the clay. And, but he showed himself through the law that he gave to his people, Israel, and they were to carry that throughout the world. In fact, they were, to be, they were actually to be missionaries to keep his law and to demonstrate what it meant to live in relationship with God. Um, unfortunately, uh, no man was able to fulfill that. And how many know that if God set a requirement that we fulfill everything that's in obedience to Him, that in, in, in the law, pervasive as it was, that, it, you, that it's humanly impossible to keep everything. How, how many understand that? And so Paul the Apostle wrote in the New Testament that the law then became a schoolmaster or a teacher to lead us to Christ, that we can't do this. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ comes, and God, this is so, this is so good. God presses the reset bat- button on how he will deal with humanity. And I'm so glad that God is a God of second chances. How about you? He is a God of grace. He is a God of second chances. And he pressed the reset button And Jesus came in the New Testament, and a testament, covenant, will is enacted upon the death. So, uh, for instance, if you've ever had, you've been left 
something by somebody in their will, that only goes into effect once they died. When Jesus Christ came and gave his life for you and for me to bear the penalty of, of the sin of the world and to satisfy uh, the demands of holiness and righteousness by God, when he died and when he resurrected, the new covenant went into effect, and by receiving Jesus Christ and placing our trust in him, we can have not only forgiveness, but we can have standing, and we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Praise his name. And so we come to John chapter 15, and Jesus said these words in verse number 5. He said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The, he used the allegory of the grapevine, and, and God's people, Israel, were very, very familiar with that. Because throughout the Old Testament, God says that, that his people were like grape, a grapevine or grapevines in his vineyard, and God was the master gardener. And there's a word for the day I'll give you, and I know you're all going to want to take notes, and you're just going to say, praise God, I've never heard that. I feel the spirit of this. It's called uh, viticulture. How many heard the word viticulture before? It's, it's a specific science that they use in agriculture to do with pruning and timing and knowledge and so that the vine will be as fruitful as possible. But the good news is that in God's vineyard, when we are planted there, that God is the master gardener and he looks over us. But when we come to the New Testament, there's a change in direction. The Old Testament had God's vineyard with many, 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 many vines that were planted. But in the New Testament, Jesus makes this statement that's never been said before he said, I am the vine, and you are the branches, and the life is found only in me by being connected to me. And God is still the master gardener, but there's only one vine. I am the vine. I'm the truth. I'm the life. I'm the way. I'm the bread. I'm the water of life, and I'm the resurrection and the life, he said. And so, there's what, what now has made possible is that we not only can know about God and not only can we live a good life, but now what we can do is something, something that is available for every person through being connected to the vine. We can literally experience the life of Jesus Christ in our own heart and life. Can someone say praise God? It's not available anywhere else in the world, only through the Lord. The first thing I want to share with you is this, that Jesus is the true vine. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that they may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless you it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. In your notes in the program this morning, if you want to follow along, uh, you can do that, or you can also, if you have the Bible app, uh, you, can, you can go there, and in the lower right-hand side of the screen, uh, 
there's a, a menu, you just hit that, and it comes up at events, and then you hit that, and Grace Assembly go on, and all the notes are there, and you can take notes for yourself. But he's the true vine, connected. Connected means that true life is found only in him. Discipleship is not only acknowledging that Jesus is, and it's not only living a good Christian life, but it's being connected so that He is the core of our life and we're utterly dependent on Him and we're dependent on Him and we love Him and we experience Him and this experience with God changes our entire life. It's found nowhere, nowhere else. Um, it's easy to take God for granted. Uh, when my wife is uh, separated from me and fortunately... I don't, we've never had any separations from problems in our marriage except our first month or so, you know, and, you, you're, you know, and it's sort of a quick trip around the block and then come back and you make up and, you know, you know yada, yada, all those things. But when she goes on a missions trip, um, if you're a guy, after about a weekend, you start promising God all kinds of things that she'll just come back, you know. Jesus said, abide in me, I'm the, I'm the true vine. But when we experience him, we experience his life and his power, his cleansing and his vision, and he says, I'm with you always. I want to show you a picture of a, a cluster of grapes right now and a grapevine. Well, doesn't that make you oh, just hungry? Yeah. Just, yeah, okay. All right. I know some of you are thinking cheeseburger or whatever. Or, yeah. That just, to the hungry man, everything's sweet. All right. So, but that's what it's supposed to be like when we're connected to the vine because God's plan and purpose for every one of us, his plan is fruitfulness and purpose in our life. But the next picture, let me show you this. How many are gardeners here? Let me see your hand. And how many have raised squash? Yeah, you know what this is. Your squash, if you look in the upper left-hand corner, you see these leaves. They look upright. They look normal like they're supposed to. But look at the, the right half of the screen. What's happened? Does anyone know what's happened? Yeah, Clint Dairymaker knows what's happened. Uh, Everything's going fine. The, 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 I mean, the fruit can be set. It's a squash. The bees are pollinating things. Everything's wonderful. And you come out the next morning and the whole thing just wilts. You say, what is going on? And what it is, let's go to the next screen. It's that nasty little bugger right there. It's called a, a squash vine borer. And what it is that there's a certain kind of wasp that lays eggs inside of the vine. Just this microscopic tube like a mosquito proboscis goes in, but he, the wasp lays eggs, and these, lay, these eggs, they begin to hatch, and they hatch into these, these nasty little bugs, 
and your beautiful squash that you've been wanting, zucchini and summer squash or pumpkins or you name it, once they hatch, they start eating into the inner core of that vine. And they'll eat and eat and eat, and you'll have no idea they're there until you come out one day, and it's, they're all wilted, and they might be at the point of no return. Sometimes you can do something, you can get a knife, and you can run along certain portions of that vine, and you'll find those suckers in there. I hate them, and uh, excuse me, but I enjoy beheading them, all right? And I dig them out because they're eating away the life of that thing. And I don't like to eat worms. I like to eat squash, all right? And so you clean that baby out and you bind it up and you hope you caught it in time so it can rejuvenate and maybe live. God's plan for us is for you to be a fruitful vine. But when things are deposited in our heart, And they develop into what I call heartworms. They eat away, and everything looks okay. No one knows the difference. We look good. We're carrying on. We, we can even come to church, but inside, these things are destroying us. We carry this stuff around, but that's not God's plan for you. I'm so glad that God is the, the master gardener. How about you? that He knows us, He made us in His image, and He has a plan for our lives because He loves us. I've asked Danielle Wollert to come and just share her testimony. It's, uh, she really did good the first service. And Danielle, could I, I'm going to tell on you. She said, Pastor Paul, you can, uh, well, you'll need a mic. Do you have a mic up here? Okay. Um, yes, okay. Uh, right, right on the front seat. There you go. Uh, Chris will hand it to you. There you are. So... Before the first service, Danielle said to me, oh, Pastor Paul, this passage is so good. She said, can I read the entire chapter 15? And I looked at her, oh, oh, just 17 verses, okay. And I said, I know I'm going to preach that. You're to give the testimony, so, but it's a powerful testimony. Go ahead and share it with us. Yeah, I really wanted to read it all to you just because, like, when I was reading it, it was just hitting me so hard because I was like, oh, my goodness. This is exactly like what has happened to my life. And I do recommend everyone to go home today and just really meditate on it and kind of compare it to like your life and your experiences and where you've been. One thing I do want to start, um, it's hard to like repeat what I said like first service. I'm just going to like wing it here now. But um, what I wanted to do is like, so there once was a girl who wanted to get a tattoo when she was young. Pastor Paul loves the story. Um, and so she asked her dad if she could get a tattoo. And he's like, if you get a tattoo, I'm not paying for your college. So, you know, I just got a tattoo. And I went to his office and I showed him. So that's how rebellious I used to be. Um, he still is a loving father, so he paid for my college. Thank you. So, <laughs> so I, that's like, I want to share that example just because, um, like this passage, like Jesus was my vine, you know, like he's my vine now, and he cuts off every branch that doesn't bear any fruit. He cut down all the branches of my life, like I'm a completely different person. Like Sandy Klein likes to say, it was like an out-of-body experience. Like when I think of who I was, I don't even know that person. That is a different person. She's dead now, you know, like is no longer more. Um, and like the example with the worm, like what I was doing in my life, I was partying. I was just doing everything to just please myself. 
And that's not a way to live, but like I would show up to church, but inside of me I was withering away and I was dying and the worms were just going and attacking my heart. And just like one day too, and I want to mention like, I know my mom has a covenant with Jesus Christ. Like Pastor Paul said, the covenant's so true and like prayer is so powerful. Um, and just like pray for those coworkers that you have. Pray for your neighbors, you know, just keep praying. And I don't care if someone's 50 and you're still praying, like keep praying because, you know, you never know what God's going to do. God chose them like it says in I think 16 I was trying to prepare um John 16 (laughs) like he chose me you know and I didn't know and I just kept going and going and one day the Holy Spirit like spoke to me and I heard it like for the first time and it's just like ever since then my life has been flips upside down um and it was hard it was really hard like going from living a life for me to then living a life for I didn't know. And then I was like, okay, I'm living a life for Jesus now. How does this look? And slowly by slowly, he is still transforming me. Like I know he's transforming everybody else because it's always a journey until we meet him in heaven. Um, But it's been so beautiful. Like I just have such a beautiful relationship with him now. And I'm just so thankful for like the community that I have and for everyone that was praying for me. Um, He does amazing things. Like you never know. Like I said, don't give up because he will transform anybody. It doesn't matter who they are. He will transform them. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Good. You can take that down. Thank you. God bless you. Yeah. 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 That's so good, Danielle. Thank you. Um, in, in the first service, she also said this that I thought was great. She said, she said, now it doesn't matter if I don't have, if I have a job that's not my absolute passion in life because what I realize now that where I am, God has me there because someone probably needs Jesus. Notice the, the change in perspective. And that's what happens when he comes in and changes us and by his grace. So God's plan for you is fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. But abiding in the vine and pruning, that's God's ways. Now, here's, here's the deal, church. No matter how large, old, and productive a vine gets, and if you look at pictures in a vineyard, an old vineyard, some of them will be, the vines will be as big as a small tree. Not many, many branches because they're pruned back. But no matter how productive or how old that vine is and how large it is, it still has to get pruned every spring. And as we serve the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't reach a point where the Master says, you know what, you're good enough. But every year, He comes into our life at His time and He begins to prune so that we can bear even more fruit. He is the one that this master gardener involves timing and knowledge and removing excess leaves and even new growth that will sap the life and the resources away from fruitfulness. They even do something, they even do something so they they choose certain leaves and certain places to prune so the grapes in the cluster, listen to this, won't grow too close together because disease spreads. And 
later on in this passage, you'll see where God, where Jesus talks to his friends about loving one another. And God wants us to love one another, but not have this exclusive circle where we don't let anyone else in our circle as a follower of Jesus. How many understand that? So that everything that we do, He can be glorified through our lives. This morning you might be here and you said, well, uh, it doesn't seem that I'm very fruitful or I don't have very purpose. I just want you to know that God is the master gardener. And as we surrender to Him, there are some things in our life that we just keep doing because the Lord says to do them, but they will produce fruit. And, and fruitfulness in our life, sometimes we do certain things in the shadows and no one knows but then one day it's exposed in this wonderful way and there's the fruit that shows up in someone else's life. The second thing I want to share with you is that life in the sun promises. There, there are promises that come from life in the sun, S-O-N. Jesus said in verse 7, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Promises from life in the sun. First is answered prayers. Answered prayers. Abiding in Him. Abiding in Him comes with this mindset that, Lord, you're absolutely essential. Where would I be without you? And I love you, Lord. My life is in your hands. Answered prayers. When we abide in him and his words abide in us, we pray according to the will of God. We, uh, I want to encourage you, you that are praying for somebody, you've not seen the answer yet. The end of the story has not been written. Uh, I'll, I'll call uh, Steve Woolert out or mention his name and and uh, uh, he was, he was uh, giving me some lessons in golf. I need all the lessons I can get. And uh, um, I just believe when it comes to golf, I'm incorrigible. It's not going to change. And, but, so we sat down, we had lunch, and this is a time when uh, Danielle was not serving the Lord. And he said to me, he said, well... He said, one out of two is not so bad, is it, Pastor Paul? That's what he said. And I heard the heart of a dad. I heard the heart of a dad. And I said, Steve, the end of that story's not been written yet. God's the master gardener. God's the master gardener. And he prunes, he takes away. And... I praise God that there's a new chapter in the Wollert family. 
And there's more chapters to be written. Praise God. For the glory of God. One of the promises is this, that our Heavenly Father is glorified through our fruitfulness. Through our fruitfulness. And so, that makes me stop and ask, Lord, what areas of my life are are you receiving glory? But Lord, are there other things where there's heartworms at work and it's cutting off your life and my your life in me? Or Lord, am I pursuing and I, am I insisting on on putting your life into all these other pursuits that really don't count? About eight years ago, my wife and I decided to downsize. Our kids are growing up, and, and, the, and this was something that I felt that we should do. Uh, this is not any projection on anyone else, because I, I enjoy large houses and new houses. I enjoy all of that. Um, but our kids are grown up, and I thought, hey, uh, why give all that money to the mortgage and we can give more to missions and, and all those other things. So we did. So we have a nice home. If you've ever been there, it's, it's, not, it's not the biggest one in Harford County, but it's a home for us that just when I pull up in that driveway, I always feel welcome. And I, I was talking to Chris the other day. I said, our house just seems so peaceful. But we try to open our home up so that we practice hospitality. So God is glorified through our house. How many hear what I'm saying? And, and it's nice. I mean, we, it's nice. And the Lord has blessed us, and we're able to do some things that we couldn't do when we were first married, but we're able to do it now. I have a, I have a boat, and I love to crab in that boat. But I, even that, I want the Lord to be glorified. So uh, th- there's people in, in the church that I have invited, some only once, not because they did a bad job, but we just want the Lord to be glorified through our possessions. You hear what I'm saying? So we'll go out and we'll go crabbing, enjoy God's creation, have some good conversation, and then have a big crab feast that night. We had 10 people at our house on, on Friday night. We killed them that day. I mean, beautiful crabs, a bushel full, and some of them are monsters. They're over eight inches. I mean, it was just terrific. But, but, the fruitfulness that God blesses us with, God intends for us to use that for His glory, okay? Not just, not just spending our resources on those things. And then Jesus said, as we keep His commandments, we will abide, abide in His love. And I was reminded of what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 3. His prayer for the church was, he said, oh, that you would know the fullness of of the love of Christ for you. He said this, knowing the fullness of the love of Christ is beyond knowledge, but it can be experienced. How about that? It's beyond knowledge, but it can be experienced. It's not a matter of head knowledge, but it's a matter of experience in our own heart. And he said that you would know the fullness and you'd be rooted and grounded in it. And then Jesus said, my joy will become your joy. I cannot remember a day in my life when there are so many joy stealers. Anyone? Joy killers, joy stealers. How about that? Uh, Anyone else? And I neither can I remember a time in my life when there are so many promises of false joy. You need this. You need this. I do. 
And how about all the telemarketers calling up with things like, you know, if I hadn't thought of this first, I don't need it. If I need someone to tell me how much I need something, a rule for my life is I really don't need this. How many know you can go broke buying things on sale that you don't need? But Jesus promises this, is that my joy would be full. And as he prunes our lives, that what that, that makes me stop and ponder, Lord, I'm really not a happy person right now. What's going on? You said your joy would be full. That's your plan and purpose for my life, and you don't change. And I recall the times that I was absolutely full of joy. So, Lord, what's changed? The only person that's changed is me. And God uses this in our lives to say, if your joy is not full, maybe there, you're in a situation where you've allowed some heartworms to come in of anxiety or worry or fears or pursuits that take away from fruitfulness in, in your life and they're cutting off my life in you. But my plan for you is joy, that your joy would be full, praise God. And that's His promise, and you and I can have fullness of joy today, praise His name. And then the last thing, I want to end with this or finish with this, and this is that Jesus said He moves now from what our relationship, our relationship to Him as the vine to our relationship to each other. And He said, you are my friends and no longer slaves. What a pronouncement. No longer slaves. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. No longer slaves. Verses 12 through 17, and notice this. He begins this passage with love one another, verse 12. And in 17, he ends it, love one another. It's bookends. And what he's saying is that in the first part, we experience this life that's not available anywhere in this world except through Jesus experiencing that. But now he says, I want you to love one another just like I love you. It's part of being fruitful. It's part of my plan for you. Jesus said, and we'll go to verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. We'll have the worship band if they would uh, come, please. What Jesus is talking about is this unique brotherhood of friends bearing fruit together and together experiencing God's life 
Someone has said that there's no I in T in team, T-E-A-M, and that it, team stands for together experiencing a ministry. God has called us to do life together. He has called us to be, and I like this, how about this, part of a cluster, a church, connected to the main vine, but also connected to each other. He's called us to be that, but he's not called us to be this. Any idea what this is? Anyone? I'll show you. They're round. They're hard. Anyone ever play marbles? Yes. This is the opposite of what it means to be a Christian. Round, hard, bouncing off each other. God's called us to be grapes, experiencing his life together as a church, doing life together. The picture is the body of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I've, I don't call you any more slaves. In other words, you're no longer automatons, but you are free to dream together, to purpose together, to be bound together for your mission to win people and bring people to me. You're free to do that as a body. Jesus said, I've chosen you and appointed you. To be called a friend with Jesus is the highest possible relationship between God and a human being. It means that we're in his inner circle knowing his inner thoughts. Can someone say praise God? But this kind of friendship is a different level of friendship. This is a level of friendship where friends obey his commands. You don't just get in this inner circle. Who, when God reveals himself to us and he calls us his friends, that's not just sort of a blanket statement, but he said, but I've called you to obey my commands and because of this I've chosen you and you go and bear fruit. And friends, God has for you and for me that we can bear fruit and that we go this, uh, this fall and regenerate this uh, class theme that, that you heard, you saw this morning. It, I'm really excited about it. It's about going outside of the box. About, it's, it's, I'm, I can hardly wait to be part of that. But he said then when you pray together, you can ask whatever you will, and I, and I will do it. I will do it in the strong name of Jesus. In fact, he had even told Israel in the Old Testament, ask of me and I'll give you the nations as an inheritance of me. I believe as a church, as we move into this new season, God wants us to be friends who pray together. Pray the future. Pray the vision. I shared with the staff and I shared with the board this week that as I've looked at our prayers in church, I believe God is so pleased when we pray for one another. And, and this, this week when Hopkins told me to get down here right away because if you don't do it, we don't catch it, you could lose the vision in your eye. I was so grateful that you all were praying. But I looked at, as, I'm, as a pastor, I'm looking at our prayers, and what I'm seeing is 
good prayers, but they're defensive prayers that have mostly to do with us, and praise God for that. But how many know God wants us to pray for the future? God says, I have a future for you. And when you call on me, I'll show you the future. So it's not just fruit, but it's more fruit and it's fruitfulness and much fruit. And we pray together we will, and we will experience the power and the answered prayers that Jesus gives to his church. And then finally he said, love one another. That means connect with and do life with fellow believers. There's nothing like the church, praise God. Nothing like it. In just a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you stand and, and uh, we're going to give you an opportunity. We want everyone to go over to our small groups. Um, check it out. Check it out. Um, and there's a variety of things that, that are there for you, there for, for you, from playing basketball to knitting shawls. And uh, whatever the age group is, you can find it there. There's things for women. There's things for men. You, you name it, it's there. But make yourself available to be connected with someone else. Don't be a marble and just walk on out of here and not be connected to someone in the body where you can produce fruit together. How many hear what I'm saying? That's God's plan for us, praise His name. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. Bow your heads with me for a moment. God has a plan for you, and He loves you. It's a plan for your good, a plan for fruitfulness and purpose, where you will be part of a brotherhood of followers called Friends with Jesus, together experiencing His life, His power, His forgiveness, and His guidance. If your desire today, if you say, I want to come into relationship with Jesus Christ, I, I want to get rid of the heartworms in my life. I want Him to restore me. I want Him to make all things new in my life. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand quickly. Say, that's me. That's what I, want. That's what I intend to do today to experience God's transforming power in my life. Praise His name. Praise God. Praise His name. Amen. Okay. I'm going to pray, and as the band begins to play, I... As I'm praying, I want the prayer teams to come. And if you would, just come on this side of the stage, on this side of the sanctuary. If you need prayer this morning, uh, you come. They'll pray with you. Uh, but for everyone else, I'd like us to go over these tables, just check things out, see what they have, and have, bring this dimension into your life. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we love you. We thank you. We're, I am so grateful that you call us friends. I am so grateful that you've chosen us and appointed us that we could bear fruit in our life and that we could be part of a brotherhood and a sisterhood of fellow believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that for your blessings upon us as we, as we seek your face and pray the vision that you have for us, we ask this in Jesus' strong name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer, please come. If not, make yourself available if you would over to the tables. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.